this is Pals Talk, and we are here with Anna Burry. I am a design student at McEwen University. Wonderful. And so how did you hear about Pals? Um, I heard about Pals. We had a community partner list um, for our capstone project where we were able to pick an organization that we wanted to work for to complete the capstone portion of our projects. Wonderful. What is a capstone? A capstone is when you do a, um, a real life client and you get to work with someone who is actually an actual person and not just a brief from the teacher. So we get to actually work with real organizations and get the experience of real world work. Amazing. So what was the scope of the work you were going to do with PALS? The scope of the work is I am doing a website redesign as well as I am doing a new brand. Wonderful. So um, how you went through the process, do you want to walk us through how you are working through the process and there may be some of the research findings that you've had? Yeah. So the first portion of the project is a semester long. So we went from September to the end of December and we started out with research and different methods where we did interviews and we did things such as co-designs where we work with, um, with actual um, things that we come up with to, to show other students and see how they interact basically. Um, so the first thing that I did is a basic literature review where we go out and we find different research projects that other people have done and read papers and different articles to kind of educate ourselves um, on what's out there in the world on the topic already. Um, and then as well as that, we did different methods. I conducted a method with the, my classmates and I also did interviews with the students and some of the staff. And then finally, I also did a, um, what we call a cultural probe, which is basically when you try and, you know, gather as much information in a very um, less professional setting. So people feel comfortable to just kind of talk freely about their opinions and things like that. So that was the first thing that I did. So I asked students, um, here's the PALS logo. What does it mean to you? How do you feel about it? And then I also asked them, you know, what does literacy mean to you? What does PALS mean to you? And those were the three questions and they were very open-ended and I learned a lot. Uh, PALS means a lot to people. It is very life-changing. It has a huge impact on their lives. A lot of people said they came in and they didn't know how to read at all. And it was, you know, they couldn't even read medicine bottles and things like that, which is incredibly important. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, things like recipes, knitting patterns, jobs, owning pets, literacy all came down to those kinds of things, which was, you know, you never really think about it until people tell you about that kind of thing. So that was really interesting. So what were some of the findings that you had when you talked about, like, say, for example, our logo, what was, what were some of the responses to the logo? Uh, some of the responses to the logo is people recognize the book in the logo. Um, but because, and this is actually in my research too, when it comes to symbols and icons, it has to be as close to the actual thing as possible. So we kind of hear in design, you know, reduce, reduce, reduce. So if it's like a head, it's a circle and things like that. Um, but one of the students actually said, they're like, what are those two circles um, over the book, which is the heads, right? So that kind of alerted to me that it needs to be very obvious what the symbol is, especially um, 
across multiple different, you know, countries and internationalities, it has to be something universal that everyone can understand. So when you were looking at the logo and people weren't sure what the heads are, I actually have had a couple of me being one of them staff sort of say, yeah, I wasn't really sure what that logo was. And I, when I first saw it, thought, why don't the eyes have pupils in them? Yeah. Like that is a common. And then I was like, oh no, it's two people reading Mm -hmm. together. Oh, it totally makes sense that that's pals. Um, But I'm with you in that it wasn't a hundred percent accessible or it wasn't coming across maybe the way that we wanted it to. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of solutions could be made from that? Well, that's interesting, actually, because talking to the students, one of those questions that I asked in the interviews was what kind of imagery or symbols come to mind when you think of PALS and things that I got were learning and school and community. And I think those are things that, you know, the logo is maybe trying to represent with the two heads, but I'd like to really represent like that feeling and the empowerment of PALS with, you know, community and learning. And, you know, and it's not just like reading and literacy too. So I wanted to kind of figure out a way to show that experience of, of learning basically so that people could really get that sense. What is your schooling? Like it's um, design. Yeah. Design, um, design studies is what they call it. Um, so we basically do, you know, everything under the design umbrella, like advertising, branding, UX, UI, which is basically like, you know, websites and apps and anything that a user is using with technology. So in the future, designing logos would be under your umbrella. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Branding. Yeah. Just making sure. (laughs) So (laughs) how would you graphically Mm -hmm. depict community because like I can, I can do book, I can do math, I can do digital, mm-hmm. which is kind of our main pillars with the exception of ESL, but that can also sort of fit under the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but community is a much bigger concept. And yet community really is what PALS is all about. Yeah, right. Well, I think of different logos that we've seen for community before, like just around us, where you see that kind of like the circle of people or, you know, people lots of people but also like that feeling sometimes you want to like you know show the feeling that a brand portrays because there's a difference between a brand and a logo which we've learned many many times in school which is you know a brand is kind of like a story behind it um and you know represents the the company and the organization in a really interesting way versus a logo is maybe just like a symbol it a brand is kind of like the whole picture of it well that's so interesting I, yeah i really thought of them as separate yeah Um, so yeah, creating a brand for PALS would have to be something that like really represents what the students were saying. And I haven't really, you know, icon, like icons wise thought of it because that takes a long time and that's kind of next semester, right? To kind of start drawing up ideas for community and things like that is kind of really digging into those core feelings of community and representing them in, in a way that everybody can understand besides community, if there is one besides community that you would have, like, what were the main sort of thoughts that you want to have in the brand for PALS? Definitely, definitely learning. Like it has to come across that this is a place where you learn because it is a place where you learn. So like the minute you see it, 
the feelings that I want people to get when they see it and students um, and to connect with it too, who are already students is like community learn and community and learning. Those are the two that I really, really want to come across in the brand. So again, you don't have to tell me exactly what you're thinking. Cause I do know that that's next semester. Yeah. We're like designing the logo, but um, just from research and stuff that you've looked at, what kind of symbols are used to depict learning? Uh, the symbols that are depicted to um, show learning are kind of like schools, books, um, pencils, backpacks, kind of those typical like younger age school kind of things. Um, but yeah, if I were to depict learning, I'd have to really dig into um, stepping away from that typical, you know, school and, you know, book kind of thing. Although I think I would probably use a book just because literacy is such a core reason why people come to PALS that I think it needs to be there. I agree. I think books are such a huge part of PALS. Yeah. But it's interesting when you say like the backpack and the pencil, and I totally get that because I have my own kids and that's how I think of learning as well. And I used to teach school. So it totally makes sense to me. But I think, like you said, it would be really important to separate a little bit because we aren't young learners at PALS and we are very much adult learners Mm -hmm. and those adult learners need to be seen in that symbol as well. Yeah. So in doing that, how can you, these are super hard questions. So if you can't, totally, it's fine. (laughs) But like, how can you depict adult education um, as opposed to learning as a child? Well, I think learning as a child, like it looks different, um, you know, from, from learning as an adult, like you do have the backpacks and the pencils still, but I think, you know, those aren't the symbols that you really focus on. I think as an adult, it comes down more to like, you know, the tutor and the books and the, the setting more so than, you know, backpacks and pencils and erasers kind of thing, because that's less the focus. It is more the focus when you're younger, I think, but as you get older, the more the focus is like, what are you getting out of it? And like, what does the setting look like? And that's what people want to know, right? Is like, what does this look like? We have the four pillars of literacy at PALS. Are you thinking that you're going to be able to incorporate all four of those into a image? Like it doesn't have to be a specific logo, but into a single image, or do you think you're going to stay with the broader concepts? Um, I think, I think you could, like, I think I could, like, if I were to focus on the idea of like four separate things that could totally work. Um, if you're thinking more about the symbolism of like four pillars, I think no, just because like that, you know, with low literacy learners, it has to be something that they see and they immediately like, oh, I know what this is for. And if they see, you know, pillars are going to be like, I have maybe Greek mythology. I have no idea. <laughs> no, I was more meaning like the four pillars being digital and yeah. literacy, math and ESL. Yes. L-E-L-L. Yeah, I really wanted to show more so than just like the literacy idea of it and show like, yeah, more like, because there are those four pillars, right, of like math and, you know, so I wanted to represent all of them, especially math, because I think that one is like not seen at all in the logo. I don't think anyone would think math is involved in PALS when they look at the logo. I would also argue the digital is not there. The The digital is not there at all. Yeah. And that needs to be there because I think that's really important for people. You're correct in that we need to really represent all of our different courses in the logo and into the brand a little bit more of PALS. 
our beginning and our core and our history started with literacy. And there's still very much a huge part of our program is in literacy, but we've grown quite a bit and we now have far more diversity in our learners. Yeah. And the digital and the math is like, it's so meaningful as well as literacy that I think, you know, that's something people would really want to see, especially now with COVID and like them going online. Right. I think if someone were to see, like, learn how to use a computer, they would be like, yes, yes, that's what I want. (laughs) It's very interesting because digital literacy has become fairly well known quite quickly um, through COVID, but the teaching of digital literacy, as it's still in its kind of its infancy, and the teaching of digital literacy to foundational learners who are adults is also in its infancy it's interesting when you say that because low literacy when it comes to digital they are severely disadvantaged and I even did a test with like my um, my classmates where I gave them a website completely in Spanish and this was one of my web this is one of my methods completely in Spanish so they couldn't read any of it and I asked them to find like it was for a gym and I said can you find the price of you know two weeks of training and most of them couldn't find it. Some of them did. And then I asked them to kind of write down like what methods they used. And it was solely based on images. And they went through each part of the navigation because they couldn't read the navigation labels until they found numbers. And then once they found numbers, they just kind of tried to use like their very, very basic understanding of Spanish to kind of figure it out. And so many of them, when I talked to them after, they were like, if I couldn't read and I had to go on a website, what a nightmare that would be. Like, I don't know how I would do it. What a frustrating experience. And so I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty much what it's like every day. If you don't know how to read, imagine going on a website. That is so interesting because a lot of my learners being the digital literacy person, um, I have a lot of seniors and I do have a lot of LELL learners. So they do have literacy yeah. Um, problems, but I also have a lot of seniors mm-hmm. and it's interesting because when I say to the seniors, okay, like we're going to fill out this form, their actual English literacy decreases when they're on a computer because the computer is intimidating. It's frustrating. Uh-huh. And so the capital letters go out the window because you have to press an extra button to get a capital. So no, we're not going to do that punctuation they can't see can't find the buttons too small they're not going to do that mm-hmm. so those skills that they have honed and they might be experts on like professors in the real world when they don't have the digital literacy skill they do not come across as literate yeah which is a very interesting piece that is we're just sort of figuring out right so having on top of that, it's in a completely different language. I think that's one of the challenges that you have in the whole idea of a web design where we're going to incorporate, I would hope, a whole bunch of images so that our learners can actually navigate to what they need to find. Yeah, and in my research, I found that there are guidelines from UNESCO, you know, the United Nations um, on, you know, creating these websites. And it's incredibly interesting. I've never, I very rarely see these kind of websites um, 
So there's two different kinds of websites, the ones that we usually all the time see, which is the hierarchical ones, where you, you know, you have that that main homepage and then all of the, you know, the, the navigation bar, basically. Um, but they recommend a linear website for low literacy learners, which means that there you can't scroll. It's one page and everything that you like, you go basically from the most important to the least important. And on that page, you have everything that they would need to know on that page. And then there is a next page button that you would click, oh. right? So instead of having that really confusing navigation bar, which, you know, when I interviewed a lot of the students, they, they basically told me like, I don't know what those bars are and they completely miss them because they're just this slim little thing with words and A, they don't know that they're buttons. They don't know what they do and they completely overpass them because they're already scrolling and looking at the information below which apparently according to the UNESCO um, designing inclusive digital solutions and developing digital skills guidelines most of the time when they're scrolling they're going to forget what they just read because they're so focused on finding that information that they want that they'll just forget it interesting yeah um what other things did you notice from your research um definitely that feeling of fear um, and I can even read you a quote from the Designing Inclusive Digital Solutions thing, where it says, unsurprisingly, low literate users are often not confident in their use of digital devices. What this means is that they are scared of touching the technology for fear of breaking it. Even if they don't break it, they, see, they might be seen as not knowing how to use it, causing embarrassment. When they do use technology, they can be easily confused by the user interface, which is usually designed for literate users. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was really... <laughs> it's interesting when you're because I I taught online for a year and yeah. so when I looked at okay now my students need to know all this information and I'm not going to be sitting in front of them and I can't come by and like come to their seat it's interesting how quickly we overcompensate by adding more and more words to yeah. explain ourselves when we aren't there to explain it in person mm -hmm. so looking at that from a literacy point of view, yeah. a lot of the websites, because you're trying to explain and you're not there to tell them exactly what you mean and you can't, you know, add in your little story that maybe explains it. It's interesting how many extra words are on websites that yeah. don't necessarily need to be there to get the point across. Yep. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And it's simple things too that are really confusing for them. Um, like you mentioned too, when we talked, um, drop downs. They don't know what that means. <laughs> no, no idea. No. Or on their phones, the hamburger menus. Um, I've completely stopped using those in my design because, like, just in all fairness, if you don't know how to use a digital, you know, system, the menu, like that, those little three lines for the hamburger menu, are lost. Like, no one knows what the, those are if you've never used it before. <laughs> I have never heard it called a hamburger until yeah. you just said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, oh, it makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. But I use, cause a lot of our learners use um, Google and like mm -hmm. have Gmail accounts. So I always say, go to the waffle and without yeah. thinking about it, I've said, go to the waffle to many of my learners and then had them ask, what's a waffle? Uh-huh. <laughs> because... <laughs> They come from a different culture. Like in my family, we're going to have waffles every weekend, but in their culture, they don't even eat waffles. Exactly. Right. And what an interesting 
like an interesting dynamic where you don't even know Mm-hmm. Like you can't connect across cultural lines, never mind language lines. Because in that sense, wow. there's only nine dots. So yeah. it's nine dots. And when you hover over, there's a circle around it. That to me looks like a waffle. But if you've never eaten a waffle, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's why one of the most interesting ones I was looking at um, is for, for talking universal design, the Olympics is what I looked at because that is nationwide, not nationwide, you know, worldwide. And like those symbols have to be known by every single country that is participating in the Olympics. So that is a task for a designer for sure. And it's interesting to hear how they go about that process, right? Because it has to be readable for every country that participates. So are you talking about like the the circles that they do like yeah yeah well because you mean the specific ones for each olympics um no like the symbols they have for each sport um like yeah those have to be understood by everybody right so like how they design human bodies and how they do that is very you know it's constructed to be universal (laughs) so do they change those every olympics or are they kind of standard throughout That I'm not so sure. I think because it's a different country each time it's tasked, you know, to be redesigned and, you know, looked at, but I know that there are specific guidelines that I haven't quite dug into yet. I was, I was more focusing on the whole, um, the website thing, the the aspect of it. (laughs) I I find that fascinating as well. I didn't even think about that. Mm -hmm. And it is true that cultural differences as well as literacy differences. And there's so many aspects when it comes to designing any sort of website now. Yeah. It's almost overwhelming. I'm not sure why you've chosen this as a profession. <laughs> like, wow, I didn't know we had to think about all these parts. They always ask us, um, and I think the cliche answer when they say like, why did you become a designer? A lot of people say, um, because it's problem solving, more so to please the teacher, right? It's like, oh, because I like solving problems. But like, that really is what it is because every time you get a new project, it is like a puzzle. Um, it really is like you get a branding thing and you have to create this 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 icon that that represents an entire person or an entire organization. It's not just simply like, oh, it's a glasses corporation. Let me just put glasses on it because you'll fail the project. <laughs> so it is more of like, you got to solve that problem. of How do I represent this? Yeah. And it, there's a lot more aspects in that representation. And then when you add in the literacy portion, yep. I'm sure we've just complicated your assignment quite a bit. No, I love it because it's like, it is, it is so much more interesting than just designing like a brand for, you know, just a company because you have this added thing. And the reason I chose it, like specifically this one, when I was reading about it was because I had never really considered literacy when it came to websites. And I figured how much that would change how I designed websites and how I could start sneaking in, you know, accessibility with everything that I designed throughout my career. And I really wanted to learn how to make things as accessible as, as possible because, design should be accessible to everybody. So finding out ways to do that and actually doing a whole project on it is just like, it's so interesting. I text my friends all the time, like, you won't believe what I just learned. (laughs) That warms my heart that you're going to just make everything more accessible as you go on. Like, oh, that's so wonderful. Right. Like the hamburger menu. I don't think I'll ever use that again. (laughs) Always a different way to do it. Right. 
Well, and I think the other thing that I try to teach, especially the digital learners is you got to be patient. The computer's Mm -hmm. a little bit slower than you. And we have slow computers at PALS, but also just like the idea of the hovering. I'm like, Mm -hmm. your answer will come if you just hold the mouse over top of that button. But yet they are so worried they're going to, like you said, break it, press the wrong button. They're going to lose all of their data. Right. They want to go really fast because if they kind of figure if they go really fast, they can't break it as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you just hold it over top, it'll tell you what it's for. Oh, that's really interesting. I think it was Summers, Kay Kay Langford, or, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong. No, it is this one. When you are showing data, they recommend that, or like input fields for data, they recommend that when you you hit enter, first of all, don't show them like an error thing because it scares them if they're like, you know, that red and it's scared. They think that they broke it when they see that. Yes. (laughs) So you can't. You, you can't show that. Um, so what they recommend is like, if they enter in data wrong, you know, make it so that those, it just shows up as an empty data field on the next page, but also make it so that no matter what, they can't lose their data. If they hit back, they don't lose their data. If they hit forward, if they hit enter, it's always going to be there because there's nothing more frustrating and terrifying than losing data, especially for me. I'm not even low literacy, but like on a website, you know, you, you hit back and you lose everything. What, what a horrible feeling that is. I think that's maybe their main fear. Yeah. Is that the lose? Yeah. And that, they were talking about that too. in most of the, the readings that I was doing, um, even like an interesting one that I never thought about was simple things such as saying how many characters should be in a password creates anxiety because they think like it has to be exactly that amount of characters, like only eight characters for this password. And they think they've got to come up with a password that is only eight characters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I've heard that they're going to be extending mm-hmm. characters lengths for passwords and I recommend yeah. everyone has like 10 or something because then it's harder to crack. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, well, that's just more, more I have to remember. Passwords <laughs> are another thing that they just, it's hard for them to remember and they're working so hard to remember what buttons to press in what order and then to have to remember essentially a code that's nonsensical right like it's it's super hard yeah I mean I can't imagine like having to focus so hard on not breaking anything and then also having to remember passwords it's just you know I struggle enough to remember my passwords having all of that like information that I have to absorb all the time would just be double double the pain um (laughs) also like other things is they don't know to hit enter like after they've hit something. And I actually encountered that with a student when she was looking up the palace website and she was like, okay, now what do I do? And it never occurred to me. I'm like, oh, you hit enter. They don't know how to do that. <laughs> so they also crazy. don't have enter written on many computers. So the yeah. fact that it's an arrow and it points to the left, mm-hmm. they think it's synonymous with the delete button, yeah. which was frustrating for them because if you hit the delete button by like, because it's also an arrow pointing the same way. Yeah. That's of course going to delete things. Yep. But the not knowing to press enter happens quite a bit. Yeah. My clients going, okay, just press enter. And then I'm looking on their keyboard and I'm like, you don't have that word on your keyboard. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's this arrow where it goes down and then to the left. 
Yeah, see, I'm looking at mine. Mine's return. It doesn't even say enter. <laughs> well, and as I look at mine, I'm like, mine says enter and return. There's no arrows at all. Yeah, see, like, mine is rare. A solution to that that I could think of right on the spot would be like to have an arrow that says continue or like next, you know, something like that. Like, the, like language, if not the language, an icon that represents like, okay, now here's the next step. And that was something that they told me, like when I asked them, like, what are your first basic frustrations with using websites? And they were like, I never know what to do next. You know, I've done something and now I'm like, what, what now? <laughs> and I'm like, of course, of course you wouldn't know what to do. Well, and as we've gone through setting up websites or email addresses or whatever, it's kind of one of those things where I often will say, look for the big, generally blue button. And I don't know if it's just blue because we've used a lot of like Google Gmail kind of accounts because they're free and we don't have to know any extra passwords. Like if they have Shaw accounts and they need to know their Shaw password and we'd have to remember that and bring it with us. Um, But if they're setting up a Google password, you press the next, the blue button at the bottom that's big is the one that you're going to press after you type in your stuff. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, okay. But even that little, um, they often have the magnifying glass at the end, like if you're going through a search, right? So you've clicked on that, you've typed in what you want to have for your search, and then you need to click on the magnifying glass or press enter. Yeah. It's very interesting to me that neither of those seem obvious. Yeah, they're not. And I think... I think most websites are designed for like, like they literally say it for people who already know how that kind of stuff functions, which is why I think it should be different, that it should be more accessible and it should, it shouldn't just be assumed obvious that people know to click forward or hit enter, you know, to do those things, because I've been doing that stuff since I was like seven. They have not. (laughs) My grandma has not. So it needs to be different. Well, and I wonder, there are some universal icons and then we do go through those and teach them in the digital literacy program. Yeah. Um, But not all of them, like there's so much variation from website to website, from um, program to program that Mm -hmm. that adds to the confusion. And if you're familiar with it enough, you you can probably figure it out. That's where user testing comes in handy. Pardon me? (laughs) That's where user testing comes in handy is you can kind of, you can show them these icons and be like, okay, which ones make sense to you and which ones don't, right? And like, if you have everybody kind of, or as many people as possible, you're at least going to get the majority. I think it might be, I think it might be impossible to find an icon that everybody understands, but to at least grab as many, many, many people's understanding as possible would be key. Yeah. So will you do some of that when it comes to your, the next portion of your project? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I've already, I've already like started reading different things on icons. And and one of the main rules is that it should look as close as possible to the actual, you know, physical thing that you're talking about, like a mouse click or, you know, something like that. It should be, you know, it should be a little bit different than sometimes those arrows and things like that. I've seen some where it shows the physical mouse and then it shows, it says click and it shows the one that you're supposed to click and you know, where to click. (laughs) Oh, that's genius. Right? Yeah. 
or like a finger, you know, on a mouse pad, you know, thinking of all the different ways that someone could be accessing it and trying to incorporate that. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked, I see that's what I'm saying is like, you ask me why I do this. I'm like, cause you read stuff like that and it's so interesting. <laughs> I think I need to have that one, those ones just for me. Cause I, between right and left click, I'm always like, well use, and I almost do like index finger, ring finger, use yeah. those two. And then I'm like, oh, but which one's right and left? Because when I'm talking to someone, I'm often facing them. So I'm the wrong way. Right. So then I'm, I'm so confused because I'm trying to help. And then I'm like, oh, I'm just going to point. You need to use this side for this button and this <laughs> side for that button. And if I say right and left, then because of low literacy, do they know right and left? Most of them do. Yeah. Yeah. But if I mix them up, yeah. Because I'm facing them. That's not helping the situation. Right. So yeah. it's, it's an interesting dilemma. A, yeah. <laughs> to have it's, to work on. Yeah. It's definitely a puzzle to kind of like work through and it does feel like a puzzle sometimes. And the, you know, you don't always get the right answer too. So you, that's where user testing comes in too, is you say, okay, here's my solution. And then they'll go, terrible solution. And then you'll try again and again and again. And that's the beauty of user testing. <laughs> Was color something that you were focusing on? Um, color is definitely something that I wanted to look into um, as well, because I know that red immediately in people's heads means cancel. And that's going to be interesting to, to think about is definitely color. I think blue would be the answer. But if you're teaching people that blue always means next, that is actually quite helpful to me. So I'm probably going in the direction of anything clickable needs to be blue, you know. And so our PALS logo right now is red or has red in parts of it. Yeah. Um, has there been any discussion about changing the colors of the logo? I'm not sure. I kind of wanted to have that conversation kind of, you know, after the design has been kind of drawn up and then we can kind of move into, you know, what color should it be? And, you know, yeah, I think red is an interesting choice. <laughs> I feel like it can mean warmth and it can mean community, but it can also mean danger and error. So and stop and stop. Right. So it's an interesting color to think about. And it's, Color is a huge, huge thing. So it has to be something that everybody can agree on when it comes to the whole organization too, right? So I, I have talked to Monica about this before and I don't know that she's married to the idea of red. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, wants to include all of those ideas that you were just talking about. Yes. So are there any colors that, are usually used or seem to say things like your community, like learning. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, like, is there a literacy color? I don't know. I think probably, probably not just cause like literacy, I don't think it can have a color. I could be wrong if I looked it up and be like, Oh, no, nope, there it is. <laughs> I won't look it up. So it's okay if you find it. But like my first choice, if like, if in my head I had to pick one, it would be orange because it's that very warm feeling, comfortable color for people, but also exciting. So that would be my first kind of go-to would be orange. And what tone of orange? 
a, a nice warm but also like exciting like bright but also on the warmer side you know like cool colors and warm colors like yep. a warm but exciting orange is kind of what I would lean towards interesting I would never pick orange I know I oh. don't have a problem with the color I like it yeah but I probably would have went like green blue Ah, okay. only because I've seen more blue is interesting too because blue usually symbolizes trust so mm-hmm. that that is a good one <laughs> but I green's just my favorite color so green is one. always associated with um oh I guess not I mean, like, projects like TD TD trust they do use green because it also thinks like loyalty is it a lot of green too oh interesting yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like color theory and like what that connects to people very much so do logos according to color theory because it brings out different emotions in people. But blue and orange are definitely contestants if we were thinking about color. Blue, I think, is a good one for sure. Blue and orange would also look very nice together. Yeah, that's what I just thought in my head. I said blue and orange and I was like, and which are complementary colors and look fantastic together. Look at how good we're doing. We're just solving all of your second semester issues right now. Fantastic. It is fantastic. Thank you for your help. (laughs) (laughs) Just to sort of maybe wrap up a little bit because this has been, this has been very educational for me Um, and a really great conversation. I think we'd like to meet again when you're finished the project and maybe talk about what you came up with and why you chose what you did and maybe even some of the I feel like there may be some challenges that are going to come up and like maybe some fun things that come out of your testing of the different logos and different icons as you go yeah so (laughs) we would love to have you come back at the end of the semester and chat with us more about how you've created a much more accessible website brand and I want to say and logo, but mostly probably brand yeah. for house. <laughs> yeah, I'd be more than happy to. I'm so excited to, to have that happen. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you, Anna. And I hope to see you next time on Pals Talks.